Hello, and welcome back to Argus's Way to Freight podcast series. I'm Argus Freight reporter Michael Connolly, and today I'm joined by Vessels Value shipping analysts Vivek Srivatsova and Ines Benatmain to discuss the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict and the impact that it has had on global shipping markets. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Okay, so first, let's just get into the uh, tanker markets. What initial impact have you guys seen from the conflict in terms of alterations to clean tanker trade flows and ton mile demand? Yeah, so it's had a big impact on clean tanker trade flows. A lot of diesel tends to come out of the Russian ports. Europe gets about 60% of its diesel from Russia when markets are functioning normally. Uh, That's obviously left a big hole, uh, sent the diesel price up. Now, ordinarily, that would lead to very high, fat, healthy refining margins. That would encourage European refiners to, to run harder, produce more products. However, that isn't happening at the moment because the gas price is also high and refiners are powered by gas. So that's killed the refinery economics of the European refining sector. So instead of running more and and producing more diesel, European refiners have actually cut runs. So we have shortages of all sorts of products, but especially an acute shortage of diesel in Europe. Um, And in the initial phases of the war, that led to a, a lot of trade flows in from the U.S. East Coast and U.S. Gulf Coast. Latterly, uh, we've started to see um, trade flow stimulated from the Middle East as well. And it was just starting to happen from Asia when uh, Asian prices for diesel suddenly took off as well. And that started keeping diesel cargoes in Asia. Uh, so that, that trade got choked off prematurely. But yeah, the MRs in particular have seen rates increase as a lot of tonnage has been uh, frantically charted to, to bring diesel cargoes and gas oil cargoes from, from the US and the Middle East. It's mostly focused on, on the middle distillates at the moment. Okay. And uh, what sort of impact have you seen on the dirty tanker market? Hasn't had the same sort of impact on the dirty. Um, obviously, Russia exports its key Urals grade of crude oil from the Black Sea and Baltic. That saw very limited buying even before the war started, even before the invasion, right from early February. Charters were, well, the potential buyers for those cargoes were thinking that there's heightened risk here. And, they, you know, they didn't want to be left holding a cargo in case anything happened on the sanction side, on the legal side. So there was very little buying, even from early February. Um, uh, with the outbreak of war, uh, we've seen you know, massive war premiums for mid-sized tankers to go into the Black Sea and, and collect those cargoes and the Baltic as well. So, for example, TD-17, I think it is, which is uh, one of the routes that um, emanates from that region. Seen a massive increase in rates. I think I was just looking at our markets page on Vessels Value this morning. Uh, we're showing it up near something like three, $300,000 a day. However, that is hugely, hugely theoretical because there's not actually that many tankers willing, willing to go to those load ports to, to collect those cargoes. So while that route is uh, one of the basket of routes that tanker brokers around the world use to, to calculate an average, just a straight mean average rate for mid-sized tankers, it's probably debatable whether that should be in there because there's very few fixtures happening uh, on that route. So it's, it, there is an argument that that should be discounted from the basket. There has been uh, a bit a bit of an effect of mid-size tankers uh, experiencing some disruption, diversion, uh, Black Sea and Mediterranean uh, and the Baltic, uh, Northwest Europe. And that's tied up a bit of tonnage and, and, and lifted rates for 
um, Afromaxes and Suez Maxes. Um, we really haven't seen any impact on the big ones yet, the VLCCs. What we would expect to happen with, I mean, I know crude, crude oil is down, um, today and it's, it's below $100 a barrel for the first time since, since this all started. Um, but we, 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 with oil at or around $100 a barrel. What we would normally expect to see is OPEC riding to the rescue and increasing uh, oil production, especially from the core OPEC Middle East states, Saudi, UAE, Kuwait. However, they've stuck so far pretty ruggedly to their original plan of just like ramping up very slowly, 4,000 barrels a day each month. So with with output restricted from the core OPEC Middle East states, we would normally expect to see the U.S. respond and we'd expect to see more VLCC cargoes out of the U.S. Gulf of Mexico. However, that hasn't happened either. U.S. oil production, as I'm sure all your listeners know, is dominated by shale production. Which is, which one of the characteristics of it is short response times. Uh, so normally you see, you know, quite high sensitivity to the oil price. You know, when the oil price goes up, it reacts very quickly and exports rise very quickly, uh, normally. However, this time all the producers have been emphasizing, you know, more disciplined use of capital. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, they've been burnt once. They're not going to be fooled twice. So uh, they haven't been that quick to turn on the taps yet. Um, And also part of the reason why U.S. shale production exhibits such rapid response times to the oil price um, is because they normally keep quite a big inventory of drilled but uncompleted wells, which they can complete at, at short notice and ramp up production. Uh, however, it seems that, that, that um, during the pandemic, uh, the, the, the last two years, they ran down their inventories of those. So they don't have that, resor- that you know, short time frame resource there that they can just turn on instantaneously. So, so the US is taking a bit longer to, to, to respond as well. So yeah, we haven't really seen any kind of response on the Vs so far. Um, although I would I would guess that, you know, maybe second quarter, third quarter, we would see both those regions, the US and the Middle East, uh, start to lift production a bit more. And, you know, that would bring back some demand for these. Understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you see this conflict and the uh, decrease in Russian exports uh, having the potential to stall the broader tanker market recovery that many have been talking about for quite a while and a lot, a lot expected to occur in 2022? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk about a broad tanker market recovery, um, different people in the tanker market um, will, will have a different view of the starting point. If you're involved in the MR sector in any way at the moment, then you think the tanker recovery is already here. You know, it's happy days. If you're involved in the VLCC market, then, you know, what I said, you know, the, the, the Middle East and the U.S. Gulf are, are taking a bit longer to respond this time. So it looks like it will delay the recovery for these. And typically in the tanker market, we see trends materialize uh, in the V's first and then they spread to the rest of the tanker market. So while the small ones, the product tankers, uh, have got relatively healthy earnings at the moment, you know, we're seeing, seeing MR rates again on the VV market page. Uh, for those of you that want to have a look in uh, the mid kind of $20,000 a day range for, for, for MRs at the moment, it's debatable whether we can, you know, push on above 30000 and and beyond without broader recovery uh, in the crude tankers. So, yeah, depends on your point of view, really. If you're a V owner, it absolutely will delay the the, the recovery. If you're an MR owner, then the recovery is already here. Okay, so uh, the conflict has obviously led to a major increase in fuel prices. 
which is widen the spread between high sulfur and low sulfur fuel oil. Uh, so what sort of changes in scrubber premiums have you guys observed uh, since the conflict began? So in terms of looking at the um, the spread between them, both the VLSFO and the IFO 380 have risen almost in unison. So since the beginning of the year, um, the we've seen the IFO 380 rise about 54% and the VLSFO rise about 70%. Um, it's the difference is more acute for, I'd say, tankers. On the bulker side, you see a, a general sort of range between 9% and 10% difference between scrubber fitted and non-scrubber fitted. I think as this plays on, we will see a tendency towards uh, scrubber fitted vessels being used more often just because it doesn't eat away at earnings so much. And the increased uncertainty in general has caused a lot of demand and for fuel now, just in case the prices continue to rise. Okay, interesting. Uh, so moving on now to the dry bulk market, how has the disruption of Ukraine, Ukrainian grain exports affect, affected broader dry bulk trade flows? So Russia is the world's largest wheat exporter and Ukraine is, I think, fifth. And the prices of both of the um, crops are at record highs as um, they've paused their outflow. Panamax bulkers will most likely be in high demand as Europe looks to America to source um, the commodity. Um, it's likely that the US will take the lead as exporter. We've also seen, however, that a lot of Middle Eastern or MENA countries with a high dependence on wheat imports, for example, Egypt, will continue to or will be likely to source the commodity from the Black Sea region and from Russia just to avoid a catastrophe in terms of the the fuel so, uh, the wheat sources. OK, and where do you expect that Europe will source its uh, coal to replace imports from Russia? And how do you expect that this will affect ton mile demand? So there'll be a general reluctance to purchase Russian coal, and this will push European markets to source coal from further afield. So places such as Indonesia and Australia and Tanmail will naturally increase and tighten supply of the ready available tonnage just because the journeys are increasing. Um, and this compounded with the tail end of COVID-19 congestion and delays will probably keep earnings and values at healthier levels. Um, for owners. Okay, and my final question is, uh, which dry bulk vessel classes do you expect to struggle in the current market and which do you think are better equipped to handle the surging bunker prices and overall instability caused by the conflict? So I don't know if any uh, vessel types will necessarily struggle, but there will be winners. Um, for example, Panamax bulk is taking the grain exports from the U.S. into Europe, especially the scrubber fitted ones, will definitely uh, benefit in the short term. And they won't be exposed to the, the highs of the bunker fuel prices. Yeah, I think for sure. And just within that, Newcastle Maxes, in terms of their uh, fuel economy, will be probably the winners on the back of it. OK, that's all for this week's edition of Weight of Freight. Thank you again to both of you for speaking with me, uh, Vivek and Ernest. I really appreciate your insights. <laughs>